Welcome to the Trolley Stops here where we talk about real issues with real people from a faith perspective. I'm Lawrence Clark. And I'm Laurie Ann Rooker. And we are joined once again with our guests, Darren Caffrey and Ms. Bangle Satole. Before we get started, I just kind of want to recap what we talked about in part one of our uh, Faith and Mental Health podcast. And some things that definitely stuck out to me is modeling uh, self-care practices for people. Um, I think that's something that everybody can do. It definitely takes a lot of self-confidence to be able to model that and be vulnerable, not only for yourself, but for other people too. Um, but the more we model it, the more we can encourage other people to to do the same thing. And those same people will do that for other people as well. Um, another thing that stuck out to me is how we can use these same practices and principles in the church uh, by being welcoming, by you know, celebrating and normalizing our community as it is, not necessarily try to, um, you know, cast judgment or, you know, get pity or anything like that, but just normalizing and meeting them where they are and doing everything that we can to help um, others. So those are two things, two major things that stuck out to me from part one. How about you, uh, Lori? Yeah, well, I think you are obviously related to me because you were rubbing my head and you decided to steal my words about modeling because that's where I was going to start off. Because I, I really, it really hit me when uh, Darren was talking and he said how much it meant for him to have um, the person who's the pastor of his church model self-care. And I, I mm-hmm. didn't even think about what that would mean to have somebody see that. And I do think you're right. I think modeling is so makes us so vulnerable um Mm -hmm. you know we've had people in our church and and come in and sometimes what they'll comment on is something dave's observed about Mm. how someone was treated Mm -hmm. and that is more powerful to them than any doctrine or any prayer any sermon or anything Mm -hmm. anything and so i i just definitely have to say that you know what really did strike me about what all of us were trying to convey was the importance of um, model the very things that we like to talk about actually really doing them in our own lives and the impact that that has on our families as well as our um, the people we work with as well as the people our neighbors I mean everybody how this can uh, have an effect and it can have a negative effect when we're not caring for ourselves as well mm-hmm. as when we are so that would be my my thought on the takeaways. Awesome. So I'll go next, okay. I guess. Okay. You know, I, I think what I, what I took away is, you know, the, the important aspects of the first part of the podcast and now moving into the second part of the podcast, hopefully being able to provide more details. But I really feel like, you know, in, in, in part one, we really kind of set the stage on, on how, you know, how important it is to be able to recognize and to be aware and, know what good mental health actually is, and then, of course, to be able to model it, share it, uh, and then, again, then to take that all to the next level, providing, you know, resources uh, to actually help people cope with mental Mm -hmm. health. So I think, you know, and we talked about, you know, that the recognition part, how do we do that? We, you know, we're providing maybe, you know, educational resources we're allowing you know making people feel comfortable talking about it making people feel welcome coming in 
to the church uh, and not feel stigmatized or, or or bad about what what they might be going through and to feel comfortable, you know, just kind of um, being authentic and yes. talking about what's going on. Yeah. And then so now it's like I feel like in part two we're maybe we're going to be we'll be talking about more how do we provide the resources and what are the resources that we feel that we need what mm-hmm. what do we feel that we already have and where do we need to take this you know how yeah what are you know how can we bring this to the next level mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. Uh, yeah I, I guess I'm the last one to comment um, I, I, I feel like part one was such a great setup mm-hmm. in terms of uh, you know we take it for granted we take it for granted that we understand mental health. What mm-hmm. is the definition of mental health? And we tend to confuse it with mental illness. I felt like this this was a great start to open up to, to the rest of the questions that are come after we have defined mental health. And also, I feel that we can establish better support facilities for those suffering from mental illness, if we actively campaign for why mental health awareness is crucial. Yes. We need to continue to campaign. Why do we need to celebrate mental health awareness? And also learning about mental health and teaching others. Mm-hmm. Um, it will help us bring a much needed change and heal the planet. That's how I feel. We gotta heal that planet. We gotta educate people. I think we all have mentioned self care, which is critical. We mm-hmm. have mentioned educational forums. How mm-hmm. do we do that? And also, our church being instrumental in leading the community. Mm-hmm. And I keep pushing that because I think that we are a healthy community and we will even be better if we are the ones who are pushing. Uh, the, the, the the awareness of mental health and mental illness. That was the, my takeaway. Yes, the advocacy is so important and, and, yes. and bringing the advocacy to, you know, allowing us to be the ambassadors maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we can be the models yeah. by being the ambassadors of, uh, you know, of uh, promoting and advocating for, you know, good mental health. Yes, and I love that you mentioned it's, Mr. Bangla, I love that you mentioned that um, it's a way to heal the planet because Earth Day just recently yeah. passed. Yeah. Um, and I think a part yeah. of, you know, being kind to our planet is also changing our mindset. And we can only change our mindset when we bring awareness to our own mental health. Just like you also said, we can't take the little things for granted because those little things could turn into big things. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah. thank you for sharing. And like um, Darren said, too, I look forward to our discussion for part two in this podcast. So we kind of ended the last podcast about um, the church being a welcoming um, environment, a non-judgmental safe space that normalizes ourselves as individuals. And then that normalization encourages people to be um, vulnerable. It um, allows them to feel safe, to feel heard and allows them to keep coming back too, uh, and really feel connected. So that's kind of like how we're going to start this part of the conversation is, what are some examples that you've seen churches provide 
support and resources for people that are experiencing mental illness? So how, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> so how I can get started is is also what we are planning to do. And mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, even if we haven't done a lot, but for me, my idea, uh, and, and that would be part of my discussion with the pastor, is to really gather the resources, especially in Delaware County, where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we build a resource directory? that the church will have at their disposal and be able to not to go to the internet or go to whatever, but we got a resource sitting right there to say, if we need um, an an organization that deals with mental illness, okay? Mm -hmm. For instance, let's say Crozier Hospital, uh, you know, things that have to do with suicide, things that have to do with mental illness, how do we find those resources right here in our hands without having to worry about, uh, you know, where to go? That is my challenge to myself. And, and I think that we have done some things, and I think Pastor Lorraine can also add to that, uh, because we, we've looked at some resources and we have, you know, been concerned and, and felt like we really need to really promote this in our church. Yeah, and I think, you know, that organizing those resources, you know, first of all, you know, collecting them, gathering them, organizing them, meet, you know, meeting with uh, different members, which Pastor Laurie and I feel does a great job in kind of uh, accessing uh, members' um, skill sets and strengths and kind of drawing them together and and mm-hmm. utilizing, you know, the skills that, various skills that different members of the community have and kind of, you know, maybe, uh, you know, we can... Bring that to the next level by, like you said, um, integrating things put, and maybe even putting some type of, you know, putting a directory together, whether it's online or an actual little pamphlet of some mm-hmm. sort to, you know, uh, for families that might be, you know, in need of, of something like this, um, mm-hmm. you know, making it available. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and even to add to that, I think just like what Ms. Bangley said, campaigning about it and, you know, advertising it. And that also helps normalize it. Another thing too, consistency. Because I know one thing that definitely makes me feel confident and, and safe and calm is consistency. So if we consistently as a congregation, as a church are doing these things, um, people are going to feel safe and people are going to, you know, want to be a part of the church and feel connected. So if we're consistently doing stuff like that, making things available, having conversations, maybe even starting like a little a group, a church group that talks about yeah. um, things like mental illness, um, maybe even thing because mental illness can also lead to other things like substance abuse and stuff and normalizing those kind of conversations and having, you know, dialogue like that can really help everybody feel connected and like what Aunt Lori said more people will observe that and I think that's something that will truly you know touch someone and that will probably be you know a forever memory of and be the answer to why you joined the church too um so I think all of those things could definitely be 
things that we can practice. Yeah, and, and I wanted to add something, uh, Lawrence, and I will credit this to our pastor. Um, mm-hmm. I, and and he, <laughs> he can correct me if I'm wrong, that, that she, she, she has been, she's in the process, I should say, of identifying uh, members of the church of who are qualified in, in mental health. Uh, mm-hmm. So that those individuals, I don't know, I can't talk about the plan further than what I know that she, <laughs> she's, she's identifying, uh, which is great because mm-hmm. we do have qualified members and we do have a new church member who joined after you, uh, after Darren and, and Lawrence, who has the skill set. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the pastor wants to take advantage of that. And, and, and expand that to being a, a part of what we offer as, as a church community, having our own who are qualified to lead. And also perhaps, you know, I think I mentioned this, local mental health uh, uh, people and people with mental illness to really build this group that you're talking about, Lawrence, this small mm-hmm. group that will lead uh, this this mission, I should call mm-hmm. it. I want to call it a mission because a mission, once it starts, it never ends. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a mistake when you break the mission. So right. um, yeah. am, I, am I correct in saying that, Pastor? No, I, I think you are correct. Um, kind of looking back over a number of years, I would want to say that some of the things that have come about have been where a need presented itself and then um, a group was able to address that. And I'm thinking of um, a number of years ago when a lot of people were going through grief and one of the people who's a member who is a clinician, she provided a grief support group. It was short term. The people didn't want it to be long term. It happened. It was, you know, she offered her services for free and then it was completed. We had another instance where it was a whole family. We provided a circle of care for a family um, there was uh, one member of the family had Alzheimer's, another was medically ill, um, another was um, mentally ill, and so each need, had different needs. And so we had a whole group. One one person was an attorney, one was a nurse, one was, um, you know, a, a neighbor, and everybody worked together with his family to be the circle of care for that family. It was none of us really, quote unquote, knew what we were doing, but we were all really dedicated. So we figured it out as we were doing that. Um, there are lots of one-on-one opportunities. There are often members who need um, care. Not everybody can come to church. Not everybody mm-hmm. is capable of, I, we have people who are not going to participate in, on committees. They can do a job. They are very, very good alone in a room by themselves doing a job. That's their skill set. That's their forte. Um, they may never come to a committee meeting. That is understood because that's not within their um, skill and, and realm. Um, other people, we, we work with one-on-one. We have people set up. Uh, we even have a little bit of a stay-in-your-lane policy where we get people to Oh, I do, love that. Stay in your lane I love you that. That could be used in many not, other places. Yes, that's right. That sign. Do not pay attention to other people's business. There are so many stay places I could put a sign that says stay in your lane. Stay in your yes. Lane. Sweep yes. up your side yes. of the street, baby. Yes. And that's what's yes. I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of funny ways to put it, but it's a gentle, fun, loving way to um, have boundaries for mm-hmm. people and with yeah. people. And so the, the more proactive things I would like to see would be a, a team of folks who could um, 
could be like a like an advisory to answer mm-hmm. questions and guide us and give us resources, et cetera, et cetera. That's something that's in the works. But most of the things that have come about here have been because of a need. And there's nothing that I like less than a need without something in place to help that person or that need. So that's kind of how things have come about. But mm-hmm. I do think that the, the church um, and Sabangale, you kind of really hit on it when you said skilled people. There's a difference between skilled and unskilled. There are some people who should not be alone in a room with another person. It's just not a good idea. But you need to know that. You need to get them out or you mm-hmm. need to, you know, you need to guide people so that they can be position as I like to call it, position for success. Yes. And I think everybody, when they're using their spiritual gifts to their fullest um, potential, are excited and just in love with God. And that's part of our job is to figure out how to position them. Um, and that's, I don't know, it's part of what I think the church can be for people. You know, I, I like what you did uh, with the spiritual gifts. When we accepted the members, the nine members, and uh, Darren and, and Lawrence, we hadn't come to that point when you were accepted. Mm-hmm. But but I love it when the church improves and the leaders improve in terms of what's next. What mm-hmm. do we do? And Pastor Lauren came out with the spiritual gifts and and the new members chose what they wanted to do. You know, what is it that is part of their spiritual gifts? And we have seen it happening. Uh, a lot of the new members, and well, you 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 are just great. I, I can't even say anything about both of you. But the new members have whatever that they selected. They have performed those uh, uh, God-given uh, talents to their fullest, um, and and are doing exactly what we needed in the church. So I just wanted to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so this is the fun part. This is where we each get to talk about what are the best mental health care and self-care practices that we can do uh, to support our faith, to coincide with our faith. What are our daily practices, warning signs when we're not practicing self-care, life changes, etc. cetera. Um, this is the fun part. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think, go ahead. Okay, I'll start this one off. Um, yeah. Uh, daily practices is, I honestly, um, I think, you know, my faith and our church kind of guided me to do more self-care because if you would ask me, you know, a couple years ago, anything about self-care, I, I wouldn't be able to answer the question. But now it's a priority of mine. Um, and I, I take it very, very seriously. So every day I try to do something physical. I know I have on my phone um, something that you can uh, track how many steps you take each day. I try to hit 6,000 every day. I think that's a good goal. Um, You know, sometimes I don't make it. Sometimes I fall a little short, but I don't get, like, discouraged about it. I just kind of, you know, okay, there's tomorrow. I can make sure that I hit it. For the warning signs, too, I in part one, I had mentioned doing, like, a body inventory every now and again. Um, and I think that's so, so important because in all of our professions and many other people's professions, um, it is we're, we're um, serving the needs of others, but we have to remember to serve our own needs, too. And taking a body inventory of, especially if we have a symptom of symptoms 
or symptom of anxiety to pay attention to it um, and really think about what's triggering that. Um, because if we can identify it and define it, we can um, help prepare ourselves and get a handle on it before it gets out of control. Because I also, I mentioned in part one that the little things can turn into big things if we ignore them. And with these practices will help us adapt to life changes, especially unexpected things like um, death of a loved one or relationship changes or uh, the pandemic. Um, and I think the pandemic, what it's done is kind of did two things. Number one, showed us that we can't take anything for granted. And number two, help us realize, actually maybe three things, help us realize how blessed we really are with everything that we have, no matter what we're going through, how, val how valuable the gift of life is. And number three is knowing that, you know, we have each other and we have whoever we have as our connected person as family it may not be blood. It may, you know, be someone that we know very well. But I feel that the um, the pandemic has, you know, shed light on another thing. Another thing that it's shed light on is boundaries, both professional and personally. I think, you know, being online for so long kind of made us forget about boundaries um, in a personal way. Um, and we got to make sure that we're setting those boundaries, um, rebuilding those boundaries, maybe even learning how to do those boundaries again. Um, so that way, because because those boundaries allow us to take care of ourselves um, and sets up uh, that the base and the foundation for self-care. Um, so that's that's what how I uh, view um, mental health and how I do the best I can to take care of myself. Beautiful. Darren, would you like to share? Sure. So I'll kind of I'll kind of add um, to what you're saying too. I mean. I look at it in terms, you know, as far as a daily practice goes, I mean, even with the type of work that I do in the mental health profession, I feel that I have responsibility to kind of model all these things that, mm -hmm. I'm, that I'm advocating for. So, um, you know, I, I've gotten into a practice um, where a daily practice where I use meditation in the morning and in the evening. So in the morning, I, I try to meditate, you know, and this is part of my own self-care it starts with my own self-care, mm -hmm. but it kind of it goes a little bit further. So in the morning, I try to you know meditate and working with clients in, in difficult situations, you know, with a lot of different mental conditions, physical conditions, the whole nine yards. I, I feel like I need to be prepared when I walk into that room with my client. I can't be coming into that room with my own anxiety, mm -hmm. angst, distractions. So... My daily meditation involves before I even get to work to kind of, you know, praying and meditating on asking God to guide me uh, with my clients, make me aware of, you know, their needs and help guide me to figure out what it is that I can do to guide them in the right direction, to make them whole, make them better, to improve whatever specific mental illness or, or condi mental conditions or psychological conditions, emotional, behavioral conditions they're coming in with, ask God to guide me, you know, um, in, in their care and to use me as a vessel really to mm -hmm. uh, make them feel like they are heard 
and um, understood and accepted and to trust my judgment in, in the guidance that I, I may give or provide. Um, so that's, that's like the after effect of like uh, how it translates into my work with the clients. But at the foundation of it really is my own kind of meditating and, uh, you know, kind of preparing myself for whatever my day is going to bring and to help me be the best that I can do in, in my job with my knowledge um, mm -hmm. to, to move that client forward. And then at night, of course, after a, a full day of, you know, going through, you know, the work that, you know, the work that I did with maybe various clients or, you know, sometimes uh, clients that are, that are very ill, um, you know, it's, it's, there's an energy exchange. Um, and so it's kind of like, you know, as clinicians, we're, you know, as clinicians, psychologists, as, as pastors, as leaders, you know, we're absorbing some of, you know, we're absorbing a lot of the energy coming from the illnesses or the conditions of the people that we are, you know, dealing with or trying to help or we mm -hmm. are trying to support or listen to. So at the end of the day, I actually, you know, when I'm kind of winding down at the end of the day, kind of getting ready for bed, I meditate and, and pray and ask for God to kind of help. If there's anything kind of lingering on in my own, you know, sometimes, you know, we're, we're disturbed, we're human, we're, we're disturbed by things sometimes that we hear, we're, we're compassionate, we may, we may really absorb a level of suffering from the people that we've had contact with that day that are suffering from mental illness or other conditions. And it's hard to kind of, you know, to turn that off. So sometimes at night, it's kind of like, for my own self-care, you know, I ask God to kind of heal me and to help me um, unwind from the day's events. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm able to do that. You know, I find that prayer for me, you know, helps me kind of get, get to a point where I can hopefully get a good night's sleep because then it starts all over again. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. We're going to be using, you know, mm -hmm. we want to be able to use our gifts again the next day. And so it's, it's, it's a cycle, mm -hmm. it's a cycle mm -hmm. of, of self-care. And I think that self-care has to be a cycle and it has to, you know, and, and uh, we need to be aware of the warning signs of when we are straying from that, you know, when things get busy, maybe we're not, you know, maybe when th I'm really stressed or, you know, when we get really busy, we, uh, we don't have the time, we're running late, we don't, we don't, I may not do my morning meditation because uh, I'm off schedule or whatever, or had a rough day and it's like, you know, just want to get to bed and maybe the, the evening meditation goes by the wayside. So being able to recognize, okay, um, you know what, I'm letting my self-care slip and to be able to be aware of the warning signs, you know, am I, am I angry? Am I irritable? Am I not feeling as compassionate and understanding as I, as I normally try to be, um, you know, to be able to recognize that in myself. But I also think that it's important when we when we use that in in our in our faith community. I think it's be able also being important to be able to recognize it in in others when others might be um, exhibiting signs that something's mm -hmm. not right. You know, they're right. uh, to for us to be able to realize that you know our 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 brother our sister is suffering in some way and. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. To be able to kind of you know help guide uh, in the right direction, you know whether it's it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's grief, whether it's anger and irritability, you know, 
whatever. So, um, and I think that the better we are able to recognize in our own self-care, then we're also able to kind of help and guide, recognize it in others, and to be able to, you know, provide the support that we might, you know, need. That's an important part of, of our faith community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. want to add my part here about um, self-care and just say that, um, you know, obviously we talked about how important exercise is to me, but part of my exercising is also meditating. And I think one of the things I like about being able to put um, earphones in is that I can be talking to God and people think I'm talking on the phone, but it's a chance for me to kind of like sometimes speak out, like say things to God that I want to say in a meditation when I'm walking, when I'm, whatever it is I'm doing for exercise. Um, and sleep is critical. I've, I've had a long-term um, issue of, of poor sleep. And so getting enough sleep is, um, is, is super important to me. Um, keeping health appointments. I don't have a lot of health appointments that I have to keep, but I should try to keep them. Um, and it, it's good for people to hear uh, hear that sometimes because then they know it's okay for them to keep their health appointments. Um, music is really, I love music. Um, humor is critical to me. If, if something, <laughs> if life isn't funny, then it's not worth living. It's pretty much what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'm, and I'm very careful about relationships. Like um, if I'm going to partner with someone, if I'm going to be in a relationship with someone, who is that person? Are they are they good for me? Are they kind to me? Are they loving to me? Um, is it somebody who you know when I'm in, when I'm in public, how is that going to seem? How is that going to be? Um, um, I will tolerate a certain amount of different um, of, of negative behaviors in my life, but I am very careful how I engage with people. Some people only are only going to be email, and some people are going to be, you know, groups, and some people, but I mean, it is really important to me to be careful how I let my energy be affected by other people um, in my downtime, in my recreational time. So those are just some self-care things that, that I do to uh, kind of protect myself, to nurture myself. Um, so anyway, there we are. Before we go on to Sabangle, I just want to add one more thing because I, I kind of got centered and focused on just the, the you know, more of the mental, the mental well-being since we're talking about mental illness. But I, but I, I do believe that, that the physical part is important and, um, mm-hmm. you know, the walking and I, I practice, you know, what's called for myself, mindful walking. I have a number mm. of, of, of uh, friends and family members that I, you know, um, in addition to the health benefits of just walking and, you know, the... Um, there's that social. There's the social interaction. It's a great play, a great way to catch up with, with friends and family, and and to talk and to, to share a healthy practice together with somebody. Although I do like walking solo sometimes. I also, you know, I also value walking. I call them my walking warriors, and you know, and sometimes I can walk with with people, and we don't we won't say a word to each other. We just we're in our own, but we're walking together, mm-hmm. side by side, and we know that that we're we're connected spiritually, um, or well, I'll be walking with someone and, and they might want to vent or talk or I might want to talk. And so it's, you know, the walking part. And then, of course, you know, the, the whole the physical activity, I think that. So it is it's really important to, you know, and I've always been kind of um, uh, as part of a daily practice too to not only nurture the mind, but I think that it, it's really important to, you know, nurture the integration of the mind, body, spirit. They all they're all connected. Mm. So I'll, I'll end on that mm. note. Okay. <laughs> A beautiful note, a beautiful note. What can I add? You know, you, uh, the three of you have all have already mentioned such critical points. But I will uh, say that uh, for me, a prayer 
a, a prayer is part of uh, number one uh, mm-hmm. of, of my self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go to work on the days that I go to work or if I'm working from home virtually, uh, you know, I, I start uh, with a prayer and say, God, show me how to make this day count. Mm-hmm. That is, it's a short prayer that I love because, I love uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I, I sort of anticipate what's going to come. I, I, I deal with the survivors of disaster and mm-hmm. they come in different ways. It could be somebody who lost uh, um, a home. It could be somebody who lost a loved one. And, and, and fatalities is what I deal with. And so my prayer goes all around to ask God, show me today how this day is going to count and uh, and so i prepare myself for that for for the for the clients and i prepare for myself as well because i know it goes uh you know two ways in the suffering uh of 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 uh, that situation um and and i think that someone mentioned music listening to music uh and i think i said that before christian music heals me uh, after a days of work in the evening, I have to listen besides a prayer. I have to listen to Christian music so that I can just work my mind and have, and Darren said, a good night's sleep, ending with that note and preparing myself, Darren, as you said, for the next day, because it's going to be that uh, again. Um, you know, reflecting on positive things. I tr- I'm trying very hard. I say I'm trying because this is ongoing, reflecting on positive things than those negative things that affected me uh, for that day is part of what I work on. Um, going to church on Sunday is part of my self-care. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, there may be a Sunday when I feel like, oh, Pastor Lauren is here. She's going to hear this. Uh, when when I feel like uh, I, I'm not going to be, <laughs> I'm just going to disappear, right? <laughs> when, I, when I feel like, okay, I mean, maybe I'm not going to go to church today, uh, you know, but I find myself something inside me. I don't have to be pushed by anyone. It is absolutely part of my self-care to be part of the congregation and be part of the people. And then the warning signs. Because I deal with, uh, as Darren said, with people who have suffered such traumatic, mm-hmm. traumatic uh, effects, I find myself sometimes over-identifying mm-hmm. with, with the client, mm-hmm. with the client's pain. Let me mm-hmm. just say that, not just with the client, with the client's pain. And so I have to stop and think about it. What does that mean to me to over-identify with, with the pain? And then, you know, getting distracted, getting distracted. And I have to bring myself back to normal, you know, what is it that I need to do to, to avoid that? So um, it's, uh, so every night I read this uh, Grace for the Moment. Which I which I really like. It has those you know accepts that I, I you know I have to reflect on uh, every day about uh, what life is all about. So yep. Wow. That's all. Okay. Well, um, 
I'm going to bring these next two questions a little bit together. Um, it's, a, it's a question of what are examples of how the church gets it right when addressing mental health, and also what are the ways the church can improve um, in the area of informing people about mental illness? So just giving you a chance to pick which way and how you want to go with those. Well, I'll start by saying I think that this podcast is is one example of the church getting it right, you know, and and being yeah. able to kind of kind of bring awareness to all this, and I think that's such a such a big first step. And you know, I don't know how many other churches are are doing things like this, uh, you know, at this level, like with a you know with a podcast that can re you know reaches goes you know the podcasts go way beyond our our congregation. So um, yes. I feel that's, that's a pretty you know big step, and mm -hmm. I, I do believe that that is you know it. That's one of a, a big example of how, you know, churches can get it right. Um, and I think that we're, you know, again, back to modeling, I think that we're, you know, we provide a good modeling by, by, by putting this podcast out there um, and making people aware of the mental health issues and the, you know, being able to recognize them and to be able to know what to do about them. And again, to the church gets it right when they're providing that, you know, that welcoming environment. Mm -hmm. And addressing, you know, the mental health needs and promoting the well-being of, of the people, you know, in, in, the, in the spiritual community. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, uh, Darren. I think when the church uh, gets it right, you, you have a healthy community. The members of that church are healthy. And you mm -hmm. can tell, you can tell when the church is healthy versus an, a, a, an unhealthy church. And I think that's where we are, uh, and we are getting it right, uh, you know, at First Church. Because if you don't realize that there are issues that are of significance in the community, and you're using your own church members to really work on these issues, um, you're getting it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was a real, you know, that was a really good point. So really, it's it's what you're really speaking to is cohesiveness. You know, mm -hmm. part of it is is how cohesive the group is and how connected the members feel to each other and mm -hmm. how they trust each other. And you know, you you just hear that whether you're in church at worship on Sunday or you hear it, you know, in in a social circle for different people, you know, members of the congregation, how how they're connected. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and cohesive. Yeah, and, 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 and that's right, Darren. But, but it also begins at the top of the leadership. Uh, when the church gets it right, it's because the leaders are getting it right. And, and so that will uh, encourage the members to, to explore and really think uh, healthy about what is it that, that this church is all about. And I think we're at that level. Amen. Yeah. I agree. All righty. Thank you, Darren and uh, Ms. Bungley, for sharing. Yeah, I, too, also agree that our church does a great job, like I said, normalizing and doing this podcast and having, you know, outreach to not only the local community, but beyond with the podcast, with its virtual members that live in different states um, you know, who thought that would have been possible, you know, a year ago. So thank you for sharing. So uh, our next question is, do you feel that the church or any church can do anything differently 
um, in terms of, you know, mental health outreach? Is there some, is there an area where the church um, could do more or anything different than what it's already doing? I think, yes. Yeah, I think the church can do more. As we are saying, uh, I think we are at the beginning phase of, of, of welcoming uh, and understanding. So we do have a long way to go and, and, and reaching out for resources because you can't say you've done enough when you don't have resources. Right. When, and when we have uh, members or people who are in the community because somebody can just walk in in the building. It doesn't have to be somebody sitting in the pews. Doesn't have somebody who comes to church. It could be somebody walking in the building and say, "Hey, I'm here." So, how mm-hmm. do you approach that situation without being judgmental, without being saying, uh, "No, we don't do this. We don't deal with this. We don't have the capacity. Uh, we still have a long way to go, but we are on mm-hmm. the right track. We're on the right track." Yes. Totally agreed. I mean, I, I feel that, you know, that, um, and I think that what we're doing here too, by kind of, uh, going through these issues with, uh, part one and part two of this podcast, I think what we're really doing is we're kind of, you know, consolidating and we're recognizing the foundation that we have laid. Like you said, we're in the early stages of, of our growth in this area, you know, but Mm -hmm. I think that we, we may not have realized it. And, you know, I think listening to all of us, go through the podcast on both of these parts, um, it, it's clear to us, you know, to me, uh, that we, you know, like Samarga, I said, we've laid, a, I think, a, a really, you know, a, a good foundation. So now our work becomes in strengthening the foundation that right. we've kind of started right. and mm-hmm. and building upon that. It's like the, the, the foundation blocks are there and now it's like we have to build, build more. We have to grow more. We have to, there's specific directions that we've talked about that we, that maybe need a little bit more, you know, focus or attention or work. And, uh, and it's a, a matter of engaging our members, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. to participate in whatever part they are capable and willing to participate in, to, to kind of move this, you know, this, uh, mission as Sabah right. yes. to to move yes. the mission forward. So, and, you know, and I think that uh, we've identified the foundation of this mission and now we're, now we can kind of start putting some specific, you know, the specific pieces in place. And I think that that's just something that I think that just can continue to grow as, as we grow as members of the church community and as our church community grows and to a point where eventually it will become just a very basic part of, of, of what our, of what our spiritual community is all about. Yeah, absolutely. What what a challenge, Darren and, and Lawrence and Pastor Lorian. Uh that our next podcast next year, uh on on, on mental health awareness mm-hmm. w- w- would have grown. So right. <laughs> and, yeah. and I, I call that a challenge because we're not gonna be talking about the same steps that we have now. It should be the steps moving forward and say, what have we done uh with the resources? What have we done with the community, with the members who are suffering from mental illness or, you know, any, any, any of these uh, uh, disorders that, that might be there? So that's, that's a big challenge. And, and thank you, um, Darren, for, for, for saying that, that this is a foundation. 
we are building a it's a strong foundation amazing amazing yeah and I think you um you and Darren highlighted something important is that it's continuous. It's not something that's gonna be, you know, you can check off the box and move on. It's something that we're continually to practice. It's that consistency. And that consistency brings us all together and it increases that connectedness. And just like this podcast too, that it's branching out to more than just local community, but branching out to other states and then it brings in people that we know from where we live and then it's just a continuous outreach and outgrowing of what we're practicing here so yeah thank you for sharing yeah and and actually I wanted to say this 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 is really great for our our conference to really realize what we have started as as someone said there may be no other Methodist um, churches that are doing this. Mm-hmm. And, and so we take pride in, because they do watch, they mm-hmm. do watch this podcast. And this podcast, uh, uh, again, a mission of First Church. Mm-hmm. And, so, <laughs> and so we want to make sure that, you know, even the bishop, if, if he ever watches this this podcast, you know, mm-hmm. that that that's that's amazing. Yeah. Yes. So speaking about mental health, are there any um, specific things that the church should be aware of in terms of its own system? So this kind of connected to our last question of where the church can be improved. I think this question kind of ties into the previous question of, what does the church need to be aware of in order to improve? So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to comment on that just in terms of, and, and as a thinking about mental health systemically, Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking that uh, leadership can be a tricky thing. And I think it's important that um, a church has uh, healthy leadership in the sense that Mm -hmm. there's a reason that you don't keep the same leader in a post um, forever. There's a, a circulation of skills, and it's important to know when um, maybe a leader has reached their tenure in terms of what they can contribute to any organization or any committee or anything they're leading. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to um, to keep on uh, developing new leadership, moving people in, moving them out, not mm-hmm. letting people get into a mindset that it's their job or it's their room or, or too territorial. Um, yeah. It just seems important that, that people are, are aware of that. Also, when you have conflicts in a system, do you have ways to manage conflict? Do you have ways to address conflict? Mm-hmm. Do you just ignore it? Do you, how, how, do you, um, how do you work with that? And I think this is all part of the system. And um, do you have like a controlling leader, a controlling, controlling people? Do you have a way to empower people? There's a, there's a really fine place between no leadership where people don't know what they're doing or such tight controlling leadership that no one can do anything. And so I guess I'm very sensitive about systems and how they can become toxic. And I mean, Mm, there's all kinds mm -hmm. of books about toxic faith and toxic (laughs) systems and all that. So I'm not going to go any further except to say that, um, that I think it is very important for, to have, uh, to be able to address conflicts and also to use leaders and allow them to complete their time and, and also then use their skills in other areas so that you don't have situations where people are maybe oppressed or deprived or, you know, somehow or other um, 
uh, not able to function to their fullness. Wow. That, 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 I just want to make a comment with what you just said, Pasalorian conflict. And I'm glad you mentioned that. I think it's very significant that we don't forget that, uh, that we talk about mental health, mental illness, but we, we, we leave out a conflict which may lead to mental illness. Yeah, that was my contribution. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you both. <laughs> so any other, I know we're kind of bringing things to a, a close here, but I'm wondering if you, um, either of you have thoughts about what we can do to promote mental health through our worship, through our activities, um, anything that hasn't already been said? I think that, you know, that building upon some of the things that we we kind of already offer and, and to maybe expand them or, or continue them in, in some way, things like, you know, uh, different prayer and meditation. If, if there's, you know, groups mm -hmm. uh, where people get together for maybe specific, like a healing ministry or healing prayers or uh, mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. types of support groups for different things. There's Bible studies to, you know, nourish our spiritual souls and, and um I know we had we had a writing group in the past to promote what you know wellness and and you know and also I think to just continue to um, increase awareness, mm -hmm. you know to mm -hmm. to, to the to uh, mental health issues and and continuing to allow people to know what what good mental health is really all yep. about and and what being whole mm -hmm. and well really means. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Darren, you talked about prayer, that I have that in mind. That's one of those ways that I felt uh, could uh, help the congregation or the community, the church community improve. Um, also call to worship. If, mm -hmm. we, if we could have more of, uh, you know, uh, things that have to do with mental health and mental illness in our call to worship, um, on a regular basis, I think that could also bring about that uh, mental health awareness uh, within the congregation. Uh, I think I mentioned, uh, you know, having speakers who are quali hmm. Well, I wanted to use the word qualified, of course. Who can? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really important. Who are skilled, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, I think I think Pastor Lorian, you have done a good job to bring you know uh, pastors. You know you you have brought uh, Reverend Brown. You have brought this to talk mm -hmm. about. But I think we can do the same thing with mental health. Mm -hmm. We can have a speaker uh, to talk about during the service, uh, the sermon, preach the sermon about mental health, about mental illness. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and also, you know, if that person who has who suffers from mental illness feels comfortable and confident to uh, talk about their situation with the congregation, those are some of the ways that can really confirm exactly what is it that we're talking about today in this podcast and, and make it realistic uh, for the future of, of, our, of our church community. Yeah, I think allowing allowing people who are comfortable, you know, and sometimes it doesn't necessarily have to be a leader in the community, but just allowing mm -hmm. a member of the congregation to, you know, one who may be comfortable telling their story. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, so mm -hmm. again, 
for that to allow them to be a model, you know, for other people. When when we see people that are that are like us, uh, you know, maybe we're not, you know, we may not be a leader. We're just kind of a member of the congregation. Maybe we haven't really participated. But to be able to to share a story in front of you know in front of our brothers and sisters, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that people may be able to relate to, um, and maybe how they you know the struggles that they went through or how they you know not only the struggles, but how they maybe endured, how they navigated the whole thing and how maybe it made them stronger and more resilient. I think that those are, I think those are very powerful ways that the church can um, engage the members to promote, uh, you know, mental illness, mental well-being. Right. By and, allowing and people to feel comfortable telling their story mm -hmm. to the rest of the yeah. congregation if, if they're, you know, if they're inclined to. Right, and people are good at listening to someone who has experienced a situation. Yes, and exactly. I think that would be uh, a way to do it. And and the scripture too to increase uh, talking about you know uh, the excepts that have to do with mental health or mental illness in the Bible. Uh, that's that's part of it. I don't know which one Pastor Lorian knows, um, but I, I just think that the prayer. The call to worship, the scripture, um, you know, the liturgies, all that, plus having people to stand up there and mm -hmm. be the examples of and and you know of what it is to suffer right. from mental illness, and the, the professionals, how it is like to work with people who suffer from mental illness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely the testimony is very very powerful. Absolutely. Yes. I just want to thank um, you, Darren and Miss Bangle, uh, for not only part one, but for, for part two. Everything that we talked about is just truly, truly, you know, something special. And um, that brings us to our last question is, how do we provide support to those experiencing a mental illness? Just to tell them I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, I think that's a simplified one. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm here for you. Yeah. You are not alone, and, it, and it's okay to reach out. Mm -hmm. It's okay to reach out. And yeah. we are here, and if I can't help you, there's 50 other members who may be able to. <laughs> yeah. like Even if I can't individually. I like that number. There are 50 other people, right? <laughs> and I think, you know, it takes that, you know, this brings me back to one of the first podcasts I was actually on a guest, as a guest, uh, that act of listening in our body language, too. Because I think those two things, definitely, when I'm talking to someone, for me to tell if a person truly cares about what I'm saying is, like, their body language and... um and with their body language, you can tell if they're being an active listener, if they're really receiving what you're saying, and also connecting it to an experience that maybe they've had as well um, definitely helps people feel connected and feel like secure enough to be vulnerable and to say, you know, I'm not okay. Also, you know, practicing in you know, watching uh, people reach out to other people when they need help, too. So, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. And also, don't forget about trust. You know, yeah. it will only happen if someone trusts you with their mm -hmm. information, mm -hmm. confidentiality. This yes. is me talking to you, uh, and they need to be, you know, convinced that, you know, how do you convince somebody? It goes back to your skill set and how mm -hmm. skilled you are in working with people. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, and more so than people without mental illness or mental conditions, people with mental conditions really need, they need to feel that comfort. They need to have yeah. that trust. Mm -hmm. They need to feel mm -hmm. safe yeah. and secure in telling their story and asking for help. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. And that brings us to our takeaways. Um, I think overall, I feel that everything that we've talked about is all connected with each other. We talked about self-care. We talked about mental health. We talked about things that our church is doing well, things that churches can do better. And some of the biggest takeaways of is that active listening, that modeling. And, you know, you like the saying, like Aunt Lori, she practiced what she preaches. She talks, she preaches and she does sermons and then she is also showing her vulnerable side by promoting the things that she does with self-care. And that actually kind of like inspired me to, you know, take it more seriously as well. Um, and I think that's inspired a lot of not only current members, but new members to um, be more authentic and be more engaged with the churches because she created that environment. Um, so that was some of the biggest takeaways yeah, and I, I think that, uh, you know, I feel too that the big takeaway, uh, you know, combining, you know, with what we talked about in part one and, and now this part two, is kind of like, you know, we, we've kind of laid the foundation. We've laid the foundation for, you know, what is important uh, in dealing with these mental health and, um, you know, these mental health con conditions and raising awareness and we've laid a foundation uh, what the components are, the, the bricks are there, and it's like, but this story, this, the mission, like Sabangale said before, mm -hmm. the mission. Yeah. We don't just say, mm -hmm. okay, we took a point, now now we're done, no. Right. It's yeah. become yeah. a part of us, yeah. it's become, you know, it's a part of, of the of the foundation of, of our church, of this particular mission, and it, and it should endure, and what we, sounds like we're going to be focused on is kind of like, you know, building now, you know, uh, and adding the specific elements to kind of, you know, fortify and and strengthen this mission, because we we have already identified it as a very important mm -hmm. for you know for the health and wellness of of the church. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, my 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 biggest takeaway. I'm so excited about this. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about this podcast that has revealed so mm -hmm. many important things that we can do. It's, it, 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 these are realistic things for, uh, that have to do with our faith, with mm -hmm. our church community, and how we can become that closer community by starting something that has not been done. I like new things. I like yes. things that that we can all say 
this is it. This is something that our community needed. And we didn't know mm-hmm. that this podcast was really going to go this far. And I am so happy to partner with the three of you and just uh, have a little bit of something to say and and just learn from yeah, you, the three of you as well, how I can continue to get involved in my church, in my community with this endeavor, with this mental health awareness, mental health uh, um, uh, mental illness. I'm so excited. Uh, I just want to thank the three of you uh, for you know involving me uh, as part of this team. Uh, I hope uh, I was there of a help. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Having you, you know. yes, having you and Darren has been such a pleasure. So we like to thank everyone. I would like to personally thank everyone on this podcast for joining us. And I think that about wraps us up. So, yeah, thank but I, you. I, yeah, sorry. I wanted to really thank uh, Darren because I love partnering yeah. with Darren. Okay, Darren, you're such a uh, and and you're such a positive person that that I would like to continue to learn from you and 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 be part of your of the Darren team. Well, thank well, you. And yeah, that is and how about certainly we mutual. Just, yeah, we should because, also comment that two of the people on this podcast are miles and miles away from the church. Like, yeah. I it cannot go unsaid mm-hmm. that Lawrence is here all the way from Ohio <laughs> because he's a member. He he attends this church more than some of the other members who shall remain nameless. But <laughs> but there are because he and Darren. I mean, not even in the state, and so dedicated mm-hmm. and so willing to care about mental health and so willing to care about their faith that they're willing to reach their hearts out across the miles and share in this kind of a podcast that hopefully will help a lot of other people, especially if they do feel alone. The big message today for me was that you're not alone. And I hope people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I hope that everyone hears that. Lawrence, you are my friend for life. Um, I, (laughs) I really I mean, honestly, for you to take this responsibility to run this podcast with the with 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 Pastor Lorian, it was something that we would have never if you didn't join this church. Mm-hmm. You know, we would have never known about. You know, we would have never known. Mm-hmm. And here you are playing such a vital role in growing our church and embracing and and personally coming. Uh, um, Darren, I know you'll be coming soon, you know. Yes. I'm really excited and thank you very much. Really yeah, excited. thank you for allowing me to participate. And, and uh, this is, it's a great, I feel like it's a great learning experience. I get to learn something from, from everybody here. Um, and this is how, you know, I feel like this is part of, of my growth process too. Yeah, same. I feel same, the same way. Same thing with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Pastor Lorian. You're welcome, yeah. Mademoiselle. You. You're the best. <laughs> and I think that wraps us up. So thank you for joining us for the Stolly tr- the trolley stops here. <laughs> thank you for joining us uh, um, on the trolley stops here, and we will see you next time. The Trolley Stops Here is a ministry of First United Methodist Church in Media, Pennsylvania. It's hosted by Lorianne Rickard and our new co-host, Lawrence Clark. And our podcast is edited by Ayanda Satoli.